This week, we're going to talk about befriending our ego. And I get asked all the time, why do I mean by befriending our ego and befriending in general? There's this idea that we are complex human beings and in our inner psychological world, we don't have just one thread. We're not monolithical. We have competing needs and competing ways of being organized and many times we have earlier version of ourselves that are leading in many situations. I will give you an example. For example, let's imagine I'm peaceful and calm and all of a sudden there's a fire alarm going on. All of a sudden I will switch into a different mode of being that has to do with being active and fight or flight and I might just go and run or check in the house to see if there's anyone else, a cat or a dog or someone else in our family, right, that it's in the house. That's a different kind of reaction. That's a different mode of being. And we all move through the day from one way of being through another. Now, as we move into the world of being mindful and being compassionate and open and accepting, there is an interesting phenomenon that I'm noticing. We are now exiling our ego. We are saying, oh, the ego wants just to have control, or the ego is prideful, and why not? And there's truth to that, but I want to make a distinction between a part of us that might have a function and the way it's operating that might bring a cost into the system. So there's a distinction between the function of our way of being, different parts of ourselves, and the actually cost that we'll give into the system. And I feel like this is where our ego falls into. So I'll give you a couple of examples. In a car, we have the engine, we have the wheels, we have the brake, we have the structure of the car. There's so many things, right? The chairs, why not? We would not want to say that we want in a car just the gas pedal. That would not be a good car if we won't have brakes, right? We cannot say, oh, I don't want brakes anymore because it stops me and it blocks me. That would not be practical. We do need brakes. There is a problem, though, if the brake is fixated and, and stuck for some reason and I cannot push on the pedal then that is a problem. That's the cost of a break that's not functioning well. Or the same way, let's say, the ego, many times I compare it with the whole body of the car, right? It's the structure that keeps us going, that keeps us moving towards our goals. Many times our ego, so to speak, it's a younger version of ourselves that has, I always imagine it like multiple neural pathways that are clustered and are conditioned and patterned in a certain way that served a purpose for us way back. Could be a year ago or 10 years ago or 20, 30, 40, you name it. Many times we form those kind of ego structures early on in our life. And it will be as if to say, I don't want right now the car frame anymore just because it's stuck and it's not functioning. We get that. But in the same time, we cannot just dismantle it altogether. We need to replace it with another structure, another framework that would actually 
work. And that takes time. That's not going to happen overnight. So I'm not, from my years of and decades of experience, I am not about dismantling our ego structures to just replace with whatever else is there. There is a process of unfolding and of knowing our parts, knowing what drives them. Many times there are hurts underneath them, burdens that we need to unburden, and so on. But this idea that we are just going to label the ego as bad and then move on can only cause problems. And if we pay attention and we actually listen to what those structures or my ego might have to say, we can hear actually important messages underneath it. Usually it's my experience that many psychological functions or parts or sides of ourselves actually are very well intended and they are important parts in our system. And as a physician, I'm thinking of the body all the time, right? The heart has a function. It pumps the blood, the lungs, they get the oxygen in, and everyone is working in harmony. It's amazing. But if one organ is going out of balance, other organs are trying to overcompensate, and this is when it becomes a potential issue. So many times, if our ego, so to speak, is over-functioning, it could be a sign there's something else inside that might be misaligned or is needing our help and some healing. And because of it, the structure needs, it's overreacting. So many times when we think of our ego, we think of, oh, control or pridefulness and why not. But I want to invite us to think what could be underneath it. What could be the function of the side of us that sometimes is grasping for control, is grasping for a sense of pride or, or a sense of importance in the world? And underneath, and many times, there's a sense of a need for self-efficacy or a need to have free will and a sense of here's who I am, a sense of identity. I am so-and-so, and I can freely choose. I can freely impact this world. And it can come across over the layers as control. As, and it might impact the people around us in a negative way. But deep down, it might be that it's connected to the sense of, I, I am an important person in this world, and I want to have an impact. I just might not know how, I might be conditioned in a certain way, but there is a sense of identity, a sense of personhood, maybe a need for free will and agency and choice and a sense of freedom that can that bring. So as we listen through the different sides of us, I want us for this week to be left with three ideas, one being the part in isolation, it can be conditioned to function in proper way. We need to think of wholeness and different parts connecting with our wholeness. Number two, that every part or subsystem in our psychological function, in our psychological universe, has actually a function and a need and a, a positive 
potential impact in the system, but many times it's conditioned and is doing things in a way that brings a cost to the entire system. And the third thing to remember, it is worth it to befriend the different sides of us, especially the ones that have those negative connotations. It could be the ego or the self-critic or the doubter, which we tend to want to just dismantle all together. But to actually, instead of that, what if we pause and invite and ask the question, what is the function underneath it? What if there is a positive intention and this positive intention has been cluttered and conditioned and burdened in a certain way, that it comes in the wrong way? And as we do that internally, actually we become much more compassionate with others who are doing the same thing. I'm not saying here that we're just going to allow others to walk all over us. That's not the message. But when we actually can befriend our own ego, so to speak, and we see it for what it is, just some younger version of ourselves are trying their best the way they were conditioned to be when we started our journey on this earth, the more we will see that in others and we will appreciate for what it is and we can then see beyond that through the true self of the other person. I hope this is of help and as we're continuing this journey together, I'll keep bringing this idea of befriending different parts of us and we will explore other parts that might have the negative connotations in the future, such like self-critical, the doubter that I mentioned. But for right now, we'll, let's pause and let's connect together and see what could be underneath this ego, so to speak, this structure of us that needs that sense of control all the time. And I will leave you that. And until next time, I wish you a wonderful week. Thank you.